Father God, we come before you this morning and just gather here to be in your presence and to worship you and fellowship with each other and see what you have for us today. I thank you that we can come together and that you are our Savior and our Almighty God. I just ask you to bless this time that we're all together this morning. I ask you to bless the word and the music. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bound to your word, you stand in truth. 
shaken Nor will we be moved You are our foundation, Jesus We will cling to you Crumble to the ground Waves are crashing in Trying to drag us down Through the wind and the rain He has never changed He's still on the throne He's still on the throne
the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? All the world can come to Him have their sins removed. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Son of God and one of us, lover of our soul, isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Eternal King, you will reign forever, and we will sing the glory of your name. Be lifted high for all the world to see, your name is all they need. Your name is all we need. Isn't the name of Jesus powerful? Isn't the name of Jesus powerful? Chains are broken when it's spoken. Every knee will bow. Isn't the name of Jesus powerful? Eternal The glory of your name be lifted high for all the world to see. Your name is all they need. Your name is all we need. There's freedom in the name. There is healing in the name. There is power in the name. Salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. There is freedom in the name. There is healing in the name. There is power in the name. Salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? He is the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? He is the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? He is the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Amen. Well, you don't need any other names, that's for sure. That's the only one you need to know. If you know that one, you got it all figured out. There may be a lot of other little details. That's the right start, amen. <laughs> I want to read you out of Zephaniah 3. 
Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments and he has cast out your enemy. You know, we are not Jerusalem, we're not Zion, we're not Israel, but we're grafted in. And we get, we get part of that same thing. So we're part of this. This, what he's saying here is that this is something that's being said to all of us. He has cast out your enemy. If you're a believer, the Lord has taken away all of the judgments that were against you. He's cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, and you shall see disaster no more. You know, he has a plan and a hope and a future for you, and it's not a crummy plan. It's a good plan. There's not going to be disaster in your future if you're a believer. And that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands be weak. The Lord your God, in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. And I've always, ever since I've heard that, we used to sing a, a chorus about this, you know, but we used to sing that, and I always just envisioned that the Lord is just holding us like you hold a baby, and he's just rejoicing over us in his love, and he's singing over us, just like mamas hold their babies and they sing lullabies to them. The Lord is holding us in his arms, and he is singing over us. He is rejoicing over us because he loves us so much. That's, what we, that's why we come and we worship because we want to be in his presence so that he can take us in his arms and he can rejoice over us and he can speak those words of love and life over us that he can sing and rejoice over us and we can sing and rejoice over him because it's a mutual love that we have. It's not just him, but it's, it's us re replacing his love with our love and saying, Lord, here we are. Here we are. We want to worship you. We want to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord. So Lord, this morning, we want to experience you holding us in your arms and rejoicing over us, singing over us. And we want to do the same with you, Lord. We want to rejoice and sing over your goodness. We want to rejoice and sing over your great love for us. Lord, there is no other name that can save us. There's no other name that can heal us. There's no other name that can deliver us. There's no other name that can cast out our enemies and take the judgments away. There is no other name that you alone, Lord God. This morning, we choose to worship you. We choose to lift you up because you alone are worthy of our praise. Lord, come now and have your way in this service as we lift up and exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. One glimpse of your face 
beholding your face. I am changed from glory to glory. And now I see. And now I know. One touch of your life brings glory to my soul. Forever I'll 
Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Deliver me according to your word. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise.
front of the building but in your heart and in your mind would you come the Lord is saying come would you say yes today today is the day that you can lay everything down today is the day that you can respond with your whole heart and say Lord I come to you I give myself to you not holding anything back. Every part of my life, Lord, I lay it before you so that you can inspect it, so that you can rearrange it, so that you can heal and deliver, change me in any way you see fit. I invite you, Lord, shine your light in me. Expose every area of darkness. Shine your light in me, Lord, any wicked way in me, any part of me that has resisted giving up to you, Lord. I'm, I want you to expose that. Expose that so that I can give myself fully to you. I don't want anything to hold me back, anything to distract me. Shine your light, Lord Jesus. Shine your light so that you can expel all the darkness. this might be encouraging to somebody so you know Sandy for the last uh, about four months has been going through just terrible pain with her back and her leg and her her arm and her arm shriveling up and she has a lot of nerve problems and and all of that and and uh, so we prayed and prayed and prayed but I'm going to tell you something God has not left us nor forsaken us 
He's been walking with us through this whole thing every step of the way. I can't tell you how many times over the last four months, I'd say 40, probably 50 times, she's been in such terrible pain she can't sleep. It's hard to make her cry, I'll tell you. And I've seen her cry a couple of times this morning. She was crying again. And I've sat beside the bed and laid hands on her and prayed for her for up to an hour and a half. And every single time, God shows up and he takes that pain from her and she'll sleep all night long. Maybe she'll have all the next day pain free. He showed up every time. I'm talking 40 or 50 times. You might say, well, why hasn't he healed her? Well, he's not through. I'm going to tell you one thing I'm learning, brothers and sisters. Some people, a couple of things. Some people will tell you if you pray more than once or if you pray more than a short time that's a lack of faith well I don't know about you but if I didn't have faith I wouldn't bother to pray that's the way I see it pray unceasing unceasingly and we're praying and we're believing and we're praying in the name of Jesus and we're praying you can't pray for an hour and a half in understanding and so I'm telling you if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gift, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, use those tongues like Mimi was saying a couple of weeks ago. Because while praying understanding, lay hands on her in faith and pray in the Spirit. And then and I'll pray in the Spirit for a while and then pray in understanding. And then pray in the Spirit and he'll give me something else to pray in understanding in every single time. Hallelujah. Every single time God shows up. And I'm going to tell you about the complete healing. I'm going to tell you about me. I have set my hand to the plow and I will not turn back. And somebody in here needs to hear that. We go through some rough th things sometimes. We wonder, well, where are you, God? It's a test of our faith, brothers and sisters. When you have set your hand to the plow, sometimes that's why he says don't turn back. Sometimes it's some heavy plowing. Sometimes it's some rocky ground. But don't turn back. Don't lose your faith. The devil doesn't want your money. The devil doesn't want your health. The devil doesn't want your prosperity. He doesn't want your family. He wants your faith. Don't give it to him. Stand. After having done all to stand, stand therefore. When we set our hand to the plow, don't turn back. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you speak to us. You speak to us through your word. You speak to us through one another. You can speak to us through nature. You reveal yourself through all, all manner of means, Lord. You, you don't leave anything undone. I thank you that you want to communicate with us. You want to reveal your love for us. You want to reveal your goodness towards us. So, Lord, we receive we receive your word this morning that, that we will trust you. No matter the circumstances, our trust will be in you. We will endure. We will stay the course. And we will not be overcome with fear or doubt or evil. But we will overcome evil with good. And we will pursue you. And we will trust in you no matter what comes. I know, Lord, when we pursue you and we trust you, 
you will do your part because you are faithful even when we are unfaithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if you need a healing today, if you need to be set free of some addiction or, or some problem, uh, I want you to be thinking on that. Because at the end of the service, uh, we're going to partake of the Lord's table, and we're going to pray, and we're going to believe, and if you need something miraculous or special to happen in your life, that's when we're going to do it. We're going to believe for that, and that's when God's going to move. Now, he, may, he may do it right now while you're sitting there, but we're going to pray special later in the service as we do communion. Lord, I thank you that you have made a way. You made a way for us to know you. You made a way so that we could walk with you, follow you. You lead us and you guide us and you hold us by the hand. You protect us. You provide for us. And the example you gave, even in the old covenant, Lord, with the children of Israel, you led them through the wilderness for 40 years and their clothes weren't worn out. Their shoes didn't have holes in them. They were just like they were when they started out. You are our provider. You are our sustainer. When we give ourselves to you, Lord, you can take care of us. There's nothing too difficult for you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are the God of all flesh. There is nothing too difficult for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Lord God, seal these words over us now. I want to believe in you. I want to know you as you are. I don't want to doubt you ever. I want to know that you are my God and that I am your child and that you will take care of me and I can trust you. Even when the circumstances are falling apart, I can trust you because I know you are out for my good. Always. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Well, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. I think um, that's pretty good. I got to say, that's pretty good worship. You guys are doing good. I love you all. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, you coming, your faithfulness. You come and you, you, uh, you participate. You enter in. Uh, I'm so glad we don't have a room full of spectators. Amen. You know, we we all enter in, and that's what makes our worship powerful and meaningful because we all enter in. It's not just a few people up here on the platform. Everybody is entering in. That's the way you are supposed to worship. It's supposed to be all of us, not just a few. We've been talking about, um, in this series we're doing, Keys, Mysteries, and Revelation. We talked about keys and really got down to the, the simple truth that Jesus is the key. And uh, salvation and being filled with the Spirit are the keys that give you the ability to do all the things in the kingdom that he's asked us to do. The Mysteries... We talked about that for several weeks. I think we're going to wrap it up today. But I want to talk to you about another mystery today that uh, it's kind of a negative. But you know, in the um, 
the text, and we're going to read it here in a second, but it's the parable of the sower. Jesus tells this story about the different uh, places the seed was sown and the way it responded and the way everything worked out. And it occurred to me that, uh, you know, in the middle of all this, Jesus was asked the question by his disciples, why do you talk in parables? And he said, well, this is why. Because to you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but for everyone else, they have not been given that ability to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And then he explained it even further. But if you'll notice in that parable, there's a lot of bad things going on to the seed. The seed is not being well received by everyone and the end, the end result is not the same. And so I got to thinking about it and the Bible refers to um, most of the mysteries are really about God, but I have to admit, there is a pretty good mystery about the things of darkness as well. And we have been given to know mysteries, mysteries of the kingdom. Well, the kingdom, it actually encompasses all of that. We, we should know about the mysteries on the righteous side, and we should know about the mysteries on the other side, the side of darkness, so that we can do warfare. Because we do have to do battle against the powers of darkness. So it's, um, we're going to touch on that a little bit today. I want to read this passage. Um, we'll start um, where he explains it. Jesus explained the, um, the parable, and he gave, him, he gave him that information. I may have to just get, a, get an outline. You got an outline there I can borrow? <clears throat> So when Jesus uh, explained the parable, it became quite clear <clears throat> that not all the soil responded the same way to the seed. The seed is the word of God. It was spread out. Not everybody received it the same way. Some soil uh, received it, and then it was taken away. Some soil received it. It had rocky ground, and it grew. Some soil got choked out by weeds. <clears throat> Those are all descriptions of what happens the enemy is trying to steal kill and destroy so god comes along sows the seed broadcasts the seed to his people and to the entire world and then the enemy comes along and tries to steal it away from you the enemy comes along and tries to cause you to not have good roots to where you can stand when you're going through struggles and trials and the enemy comes along <clears throat> and tries to distract you with the cares of this life. And they're all pretty effective ways that the enemy works. And so it's a mystery. And I, I was thinking about um, how my own life, how I have experienced various times where I've believed something and then the enemy came along and, and distracted me or confused me or caused me to become offended or hurt. And then I began to question some of the things I believed. And I'm, I'm really grateful that the Lord never gives up on us. He continues to pursue us, even though we might become discouraged, even though we might change our mind or we might 
get uh, sidetracked by all the cares of this life or, the, or believe a lie from the enemy. So I was thinking about, uh, I, got, I have animals at my house and I always think about things in relation to the animals in the kingdom because it's a really good way to relate to them. And I've got these chickens. The chickens are not real smart. I call them dumb clucks and uh, they really aren't very smart. But I got these uh, pullets, which are they're young chickens. They're just starting to lay eggs. And, and uh, these are a different breed that I haven't had before, I guess, because they're, very, they're, they're really very tame. You can walk right up to them. And, but, so at night, I put them in the hen house so they don't get eaten by varmints. And I've got this one that every night, it's like it just wants to stay right outside the door. You know? and, I, and so I, I try to, and it just it won't go. And so I, I start walking towards it. When I walk towards it and get right up close, it postures. And it's like it, and it puts its wings out. It's just like, okay, you can't make me go. I'm not going. And, it, and it's really funny because, I mean, it's got this posture. So I just take my foot and I just kind of gently push it. But when I do, it goes, and it takes me. You know, as soon as it concludes, stop. It gets it back in. I ain't moving. And so, I mean, I'll finally, I'll push it two or three times, and finally I'll just kind of, you know, lift it a little bit and get it on in the door and close the door. But, but I got to thinking, isn't that, isn't that just like us? So the Lord, you know, he's, he is trying to lead us. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to guide us. He's trying to pour out all of his favor and blessing in our life. And we're, you know, we're, we're getting all postured up. You know, we're, I ain't moving. I ain't moving. So, and I'm not saying that y'all are a bunch of rebels. I'm just saying we all have a streak in us from time to time. There are areas in our life that we are resistant. Some have more areas than others, probably. Some are more resistant. You know, I might posture a little bit, but at least I don't turn around and slap him or something. You know, I mean, the, you know, the, Lord, the Lord is patient, and he is working with us and for us all the time. But how many times, though, has he tried to protect us from something harmful and we just, we just keep on going? You know, if I don't put that chicken in the house, it might not get eaten the first night or the second night, but eventually, if it stays out there long enough, it's going to get eaten. Because the enemies of that chicken are coming around every night, going around that chicken house, trying to find a way to get in. Now, I've got it secure. They're all fine as long as they're inside. But if you stay outside, you're not secure anymore. And that's the way it is with us. You know, we, if we walk with the Lord and we are letting him lead us, then he can protect us and guide us and do all the things he wants to do. But if you start going outside of where he's leading you, if you're not allowing him to control the direction you're going, then you're going to find yourself in harm's way sometimes. Just the way it works. So, this is, um, it's, it's been a really interesting study for me. Mysteries, it's not, it's not like we think of in English. A mystery in the scripture is something that was hidden, but now it has been revealed. It's not meant to stay a secret or a mystery. And by the way, in the Old Testament, um, they didn't really use the word mystery. They used signs and wonders. Uh, it was all a way of referring to things that you couldn't understand easily with your own mind. And they understood it to mean that it was, it was a revelation of God because they couldn't understand it in their natural mind. You see something 
something happened that is unexplainable, it's, it must be God. And that was the way they thought. Now, you know, we have all these scientists that try to explain it away and prove it, but uh, most everybody should just say, this, this is some occurrence that happened. God created everything. He put it all in order, and things happen. And we don't understand it all. They're mysteries. But, but God has given us the ability to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. And it's, it's important that we pursue that. You can't, you can't expect God to reveal all the deep things if you don't make an effort to learn about them. I had a friend that used to say, if life is a mystery, we ought to all be detectives. I mean, we ought to be trying to seek out the deeper understanding of things, the meaning of, of things in the scripture, the meaning of life. We ought to be trying to figure out what the Lord is saying to us so that we understand and we do the things that he's called us to do. Okay, so uh, the Old Testament used several words. The New Testament really just has one word. But in that, in that vein of thinking, though, Anytime the scripture talks about something being hidden or a secret or something that's too hard to understand, it's, it's really talking about the same idea that God is beyond our comprehension. His ways are beyond our ways and our ways of thinking. And yet to us, he says, I am giving to you the ability to understand these mysteries. He wants us to know him and he wants us to know about him. He wants us to understand how things work in the spiritual realm. And last week we talked about the mystery of godliness, that, which is uh, from 1 Timothy 3.16. He says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on the world, and received up into glory. So God was manifested in all these different ways. It was, it was Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it was Jesus who was uh, manifested in all these different ways. And then men began to preach and teach Jesus, which people believed. And people believed, then people were changed. It created a whole new way of life. The world was forever changed because Jesus came. That's, that is the big mystery. The big mystery is that God was manifested in the flesh through Jesus. So today in your outline, I finally found it. We're going to be on the back, the back of this piece of paper starting at number two. God is manifested in the heavenlies. And we're going to read in Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. Paul says, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, <clears throat> the intent is that God wants to make, he wants to make himself manifest to all, all of creation. Good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, everything. God wants to make himself manifest to everyone. He manifested Christ in the flesh, and he manifested himself in his glory 
in the heavenlies as well because it says that, that he did that with the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church through the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We as the body of Christ are the way that God is manifested to the principalities and powers. It's not through each one of us individually, but it's through us all corporately that we have the fullness of the power of God to do the things that we are called to do. Now, each one of us has the ability to, to do spiritual warfare and do battle. But as a whole, the church is the representative. It is the representation of who God is. The entire creation knows who God is because of how he has revealed himself in and through the church. When the church rises up and becomes who we're supposed to be, there will be no question about who God is and what God's power looks like and how God is manifested and displayed because he does that through his body. He is the head of the body, but we are his body. So the word principality means uh, it's arche in the original language. It's origin or the person or thing that commences. In other words, it's the, like the chief. And so the chief of all the, the bad spiritual things that are going on in the world, the principalities and powers. And then he talks about uh, the, the powers or exousia, that's jurisdiction. That's the liberty of doing as one pleases. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to have his way with you and with me and with the body of Christ. He wants to distract. He wants to discourage. He wants to, he wants to mess up all the good things that God has done and is doing. So I'm thinking... The Bible is, uh, it reveals some things about these principalities and powers, but not a lot. And so I'm not going to try to tell you things that are not outright uh, spelled out in Scripture. But we do know there is some kind of a hierarchy, some, some level of, uh, I don't know, like, just like with Michael and Gabriel, the archangels. You know, and, uh, and there are a few references to things like this. It, actually, there's a lot of times Paul says that there's four different groupings. He calls them principalities of powers, dominions and thrones, um, rulers of darkness of this age, and uh, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So we know that there are levels of uh, angels and demonic influences. So I just have a theory that it's kind of like like the military, you know, you got privates and sergeants and, you know, colonels and generals all the way up. You could say it's like uh, government, you know, in our local town, we have a city council, we have a, a mayor, we have a city attorney, you've got the police department, the sheriff's department, uh, fire department, you know, you got all these different departments. That's just our local. Then you got the county, and it starts all over again. Then you got, you know, the state, and then you got the federal. Well, all, all those different entities are trying to mess you up. That's just the bottom line. They're all out to get you. And, and I think it's just like, like it's supposed to operate in our arena. You know, there are everyday people, you know, the beat cops or the, you know, the school teachers or whatever. You know, they're working under the system. And then you've got people that are school board members and you've got people that are you know, chiefs of police and they're giving instructions about what they are supposed to do and how you're supposed to do your job. 
And I believe that's kind of the way it works in the spiritual realm. You've got, you've got angels and demons that are being controlled by different degrees of leaders above them. And so the principalities and power will be like the, the main ones. And so if you, if you think about how God has said this, that it is the intent that the manifold wisdom of God will be made manifest to those principalities and powers by the body of Christ. That, that tells you that we, and I don't care how you break it down as far as what level or how you look at any of that, we have power over all the power of the enemy. Luke 10, 19. Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means harm you. It doesn't matter if they're principalities, if they're jurisdictions, uh, if they're just, you know, a little peon, a little demon over here, or some big, you know, powerful demon. It doesn't matter. We have power and authority over all of them as the body of Christ. Now, you go out there individually and start trying to, to do battle against principalities and powers, you know, you, you might have a little more of a, a struggle because even Michael... The archangel, he, he warred for 21 days when he was trying to give a message. But as the body of Christ, if we would be unified and we would come together and we would believe and we would pray and we would do battle, there's, there's, no, there's no limit to what God could do if his body was operating it was, as it was intended. The body of Christ has a lot of power corporately. And I don't believe we're using that but rather, we are allowing the enemy to have his way. And that word power is exousia. It means jurisdiction, but it also means the liberty of doing as one pleases. And that's what we're doing. We're letting the enemy just do as he pleases. In our nation right now, the enemy is just doing as he pleases. We're changing laws. We're doing all kinds of things. And he's just having his way. But it doesn't have to stay like that. It doesn't have to stay like that. Just because that's where we're, we are now, that doesn't mean it has to stay like that. Because God is a miracle-working God. He is a God of redemption. And he can still change, even though there are laws in place, even though there are Supreme Court rulings, even though there's politicians that you may or may not agree with, they can be removed from office. I mean, there are things that can happen. And it's all, it is all a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual realm. What you see with your eyes and what you hear with your ears and what is happening in our legal system, in the political arena, that is all just, it is the outward display of what's going on in the spiritual realm. All the time, the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. God's trying to bring life more abundantly. The enemy's trying to take it all away from us. Just like in the parable of the sower, the seed is out there, the word of God's out there, the truth is out there. God wants to do good, and the devil wants to mess it all up. God wants to change you. The devil wants you to stay the way you are. God wants to heal you. He wants to make you sick. God wants to redeem you. The devil wants to make you think you're a flop and a failure. It's a battle that's going on all the time. It never stops. It's 24-7. When you're asleep, when you're awake, there is a battle going on, and it's a battle for you and for me and for our body and for his body. Because there, the enemy knows that he can be defeated if we all work together and we're unified because that's how he understands the power of God. He sees it through the church. 
He sees the manifold wisdom of God manifested through the church, through the body of Christ. So secrets are, they really are just, it means to separate or to be hidden, concealed from notice of everyone except the ones that are supposed to know about it. You know, if you have a secret, you tell someone, hey, I got you don't, don't tell anybody else. Well, it's just the two of you. So it's hidden. It's a secret until your friend goes and blabs it to someone, and now it's not a secret anymore. Well, so the enemy is pretty good at keeping secrets because he works in the darkness. He works in the night. He works in confusion. He works in all the areas that are opposite of where God is working. The devil promotes darkness. I, I'm sure I've read this scripture before, but I really never thought about it. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You know, I've seen people walking down the street and they trip. You ever, you ever see someone trip? And, you know, invariably they stop and they turn around like, what, what was that that jumped up and got me? You know? it, and most of the time it's just because they're just dragging their feet wrong or something. You know? I, but it says that people, they're in the darkness and they don't know what caused them to stumble. Well, I can tell you what caused them to stumble. It's the devil. The devil is trying to cause all of us to stumble. He wants to keep us in the darkness. He wants, to, he wants to work in the darkness. That's why it is so important as believers that we are in the light and we bring things to the light. That's why I pray that prayer. Lord, shine your light on me because I don't want to keep things in the darkness. I want them exposed to the light where they can be revealed and healed. Psalms 143.3 For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He's crushed my life to the ground. He's made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. He's not doing good things to you. The devil is trying to destroy you. Psalms 107.10 Those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and he broke their chains in pieces. It's a contrast between the Light and dark, it's a contrast between what the devil's doing and what God is doing. The enemy wants to keep you bound in the shadow of death, in chains, in suffering, and misery. God wants to come and set you free and give you life and put you, put you out in the, in the sunlight where you can live and prosper and be healthy and whole. It is, a, it is a stark contrast between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We've been called out of the kingdom of darkness, but sometimes... We're like that chicken, you know, we get all pastured and we're just, we, you know, we're getting, we're getting back close to the kingdom of darkness again. We need to stay in the light. We need to go where the Lord is leading us. We need to be quick to obey the Lord. You start, you start entertaining something, you better look out. And if you're a man and you've had problems with pornography, you better look out when you're on the computer. You, know, you start clicking buttons and going, I mean, because... Stuff, sometimes stuff comes up that you don't even click on. And, you know, you know your eyes want to go over and look at it. I mean, you, you better be careful because the enemy is out to get you all the time. And I'm not, I'm not trying to glorify him. I'm just saying it's a, it is a constant battle. We have power over him, but we have to be vigilant. We have to be careful. We have to do the things that we're called to do. And, you know, as men, you've got to control your eyes. You've got to control your thoughts. As women, you know, you've got to do the same thing. 
You, we have to all be vigilant. Maybe you struggle with something different than I do, but it's the same root problem. It is that sinful nature in us, and it's the enemy that is bringing thoughts to our mind constantly, trying to find what will work. So the devil promotes darkness, and he also promotes blindness. This is a long passage, but I'm going to read it. Um, 2 Corinthians 4. One, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by a manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those... Wow, I'm having problems here. My, my screen keeps jumping on me. Here we go. Veil to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservice for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, this is a perfect description of what I'm talking about. It's got the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You see it. And he's saying, you know, there's, there's hidden things of shame that you shouldn't even be talking about or knowing about or doing. And yet there's the light. And God wants us to all understand there is a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And we need to walk in the light. And there are things that are seen. There are things that are unseen. The things that are temporary and things that are eternal. We need to get our mind on the things that are eternal. Our inward man can be thriving and our outward man can be, it can be run down and, and doing poorly. And that's okay. Because your outward body, one of these days, you're going to shed it anyway, right? You're going to go and be with the Lord. And you're going to live forever. So your outward man can be perishing, but your inward man can be going full speed ahead. And that's what we want. What you don't want is your inward man becoming weary, your inward man becoming overcome by evil, your inward man failing and, and flailing about because we're walking in darkness and we're not walking in the light. We need to stay in the light. 1 John 2, verse 8 through 11. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The darkness has blinded your eyes. If you walk in the dark, you get to where you can't see 
can't see even when you're in the daylight. When you become blind, you can't see. I don't like the darkness too much. I go out to do stuff with my animals, and you know, if I don't take a flashlight, I, you know, I hit tree limbs and I hit spider webs, and you know, I, I don't like all that stuff. But if I shine the light, I can see it. You know, I, and every now and then I'll go out there, and there'll be a snake or something. You know, I'm like, hmm, glad I got a light. I think about that, you know, if you're out in the country, you, you realize there are snakes and things, and, you know, I'm not afraid of it, but I'm at least mindful because I don't really want to get bit by a rattlesnake. Um, the non-poisonous ones, they kind of startle you, but they don't hurt you. But the, the ones that can hurt you, you know, I'm trying to be careful around them. You know, <laughs> I, you know it's nothing will scare you quite like going in there and reaching up in the... <laughs> A nest box and there's a snake in there. I mean, that'll, that'll get your attention now. Anyway, you had that experience a time or two. You really don't want to do that again. So you want to walk in the light. You don't want to walk in the darkness. Because you walk in the darkness, you can't see where you're going. And you're going to stumble and you're going to get spider webs. And you're going to come across things that will startle you and scare you. So, secrets of the Lord. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. That's Proverbs 25. So God says, you know, that I've hidden some things that not just everybody's going to know about. But you, I've given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You're supposed to search it out. You're supposed to find what these secrets mean so that you'll know how things work in your world and in the sphere of your influence. God wants us to be prosperous, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything more than just He wants us to be healthy and whole. He wants us to be prosperous. You could be dirt poor, and you could be prosperous. You know, Two-thirds of the planet has nothing, and the Christians that, leave in all, uh, that live in those areas, they are happy as can be, even though they don't have anything. And in our country, we're not so content. We're not so happy if we don't have things. It's all about your mindset about what prosperity is. And to me, prosperity is knowing that my name is written in the book of life and I've got, I have something to look forward to and if my entirety of this life is miserable and, and uh, a mess, just look at what awaits me. I read that scripture earlier. The far exceeding eternal weight of glory that's awaiting us is better than anything that's happening down here. So when you got that perspective, you can endure all kinds of things and it doesn't weigh you down because you know this is only temporary. It's not forever. It's going to be gone someday. The secret of the Lord is on those who fear Him. That means those who are after the Lord, those who care about the Lord and how He relates to them, and those who hope in His mercy. So God will reveal the secrets to you if you're pursuing Him. If you're not pursuing Him, you're not going to know the secrets. You're not going to understand the mysteries of the kingdom if you're not pursuing the Lord. That is not going to be revealed to you. He's going to be revealed in parables, and you're going to say, what does that mean? I don't get it. it. God reveals it to his people. He doesn't reveal it to everyone. There is a moment. I believe there's a moment for every lost person. There is a time when God convicts their heart, and God is, he brings revelation to them so that they have a chance to say yes. That's the day of salvation. You know, when they, they have a chance to respond, they understand, maybe for the first time in their life, it's like, oh, I get it. You know, 
I'm a sinner. And I'm going to suffer for eternity if I don't let Jesus take away my sin. I get it. And you give your life to the Lord. And then everything changes. But those people who harden their hearts when the Lord does that, they have that chance and they say, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. You know, they get that posture and they just, they bow up. I'm glad God doesn't give up on us. Because I remember when I was a young man, I'd have those times in church where God was calling me and I'd, I'd hold on to that pew in front of me and I'd just, like, I'm not going today. I'm not going. I knew he was calling me. I had that posture down. I mean, I even knew, man. It was like, uh, you know, get to that point in the service. Okay, you know, we're getting ready. Getting that posture ready. I'm just so glad that God didn't give up. He doesn't, he doesn't ever give up. He just keeps loving us. That's the, that's the biggest mystery of it all, is that God loves us and he keeps loving us and it doesn't matter what we do, it doesn't matter what we've done, he still loves us. You know, that doesn't mean he, he wants us to mess up, it doesn't mean that he gives us a free pass, but he loves us, his love is unconditional. He has expectations for us, you know? He wants us to do the right things. He wants us to follow Him. He wants us to honor Him in all of our ways. But that never changes His love towards us. That is the big mystery to me. How can He love me that much that He's willing to give everything? The Lord is light. You read the Genesis creation, you know, everything was dark. God said, let there be light. He saw the light, he saw it was good, and he said, you know, we're going to call this the light in the daytime, and we're going to call this darkness the night. He separated it, and he made a distinction. There is light, and there is darkness. But God is only light. Then, Isaiah 9, 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that is because God is light. He was telling us, some 700 years in advance before Jesus came, that there is going to come someone that's going to be the light, that's going to shine, and it's going to change everything. He is the mighty God. He is wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the prince of peace. And it says that the government is going to be on his shoulders. He, he came to change the entire world. He didn't come just for a handful of people. He came to change everything. It's his desire that the government as well as the population, would all be in the control of the Lord. He intends for everybody on this earth to follow him. That's his desire. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what his word says. But he also, he doesn't force himself on us. We make our own choices and make our own decisions. And so in our country right now, we have a lot of people who do not follow the Lord, a lot of people who do not believe and do not promote uh, the things that are righteous and upright. People in our government uh, are promoting a lot of terrible, wicked, evil things. 
But we, as the body of Christ, have an opportunity to stand against all that. We need to stand for the truth. And I don't want to do controversial things, but on the other hand, I'm not going to flinch away from the truth. The truth is the truth. I listened to David Barton last night, and he said, in this country right now, uh, about 90% of the population do not believe there is an absolute truth. 60% of Christians do not believe there is an absolute moral truth. Only 9% of Christians ever read their Bible. I mean, we're in trouble, folks. We, and I'm not talking, I, I think our percentage is better than that. I'm just, you know, I'm, but I'm just saying, we, as a nation, we've got problems. I mean, we, we have problems. Because when you take away the truth of God's word and start replacing it with anything else, and you're, you're in the darkness, and you're going to be stumbling, and you're going to be saying, I wonder what caused me to stumble. And we look at our country, and we see the problems, and we see why we have problems, but the people who are making the decisions, they make a decision that's like, wow, that didn't work out so good. I wonder why. It's because they've lost their way. They're not following the truth anymore. They're doing whatever seems right to them, and we know what that is. If you do whatever seems right to you, it's going to bring death and destruction. There's, only a, there's, there's a way that seems right, but it's not. If it's not the way, it's not going to be right. So we're not going to read all these other scriptures. You've got those in your notes. You can read them. But in Luke 11, it says, No one, when he's lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but he puts it on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad... Your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. You want to be in the light. The enemy wants to keep you in the darkness. In John chapter 3, Jesus, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not, ever have, should not perish but have everlasting life. And he says that he who does not believe in him is, con is uh, condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who comes to the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And he said, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And then he said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. The Lord is revealed through uh, the mystery that was hidden through all the ages. The Lord is the light. From all the ages past, it was hidden. But when Jesus came, the mystery was revealed. 
Colossians 1, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages, from generations, has now been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known were the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the mystery that was revealed to us, the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery, is that Jesus came, and he is the light, and he has revealed himself, and he is in us. He is the hope of glory. Without him, you have no hope. You have no glory. You have no hope of glory. You have death, doom, and destruction. He is the hope of glory. So the Lord has manifested himself. That which is from the beginning, this is... Uh, I don't know why I keep hitting the wrong buttons. Sorry. <laughs> that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. We have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And this is the message which we've heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First Peter says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You were once not a people, but are now the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who we are, folks. We are, we are the light of the world. We need to be the light. Every day, we need to be the light. We need to be walking in the light so that we know where we're going, and we need to be letting the light shine out of us. Ephesians 5 talks about all, all these things that they used to do. Paul says, you used to do all these things and don't do them anymore. Don't even be partakers with them anymore. He said, you once walked in darkness, but now you are in the light. Walk as children of the light. He said, it's, it's shameful to even speak of those things which are done in secret. But all the things are exposed, made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. He says, Awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. There's no question about that. We've got a lot of bad things going on in our world and we just need to, we need to stay in the light. We need to walk in the light. And when we see people that are bound with addictions and problems, we don't need to judge them. We need to love them. 
I'm not saying we excuse their sin and their, you know, but we need to love people. We've got to love people. That's what Jesus did. He came and he sought out the sinners. He said, you know, people who are healthy don't need a physician. It's the ones that are sick. And we're supposed to be doing the same thing. Everywhere we go, all day long, every day, we see people who are struggling, people who have problems. And most of us, it's offensive to us. We see someone that's, you know, they're behaving badly in our opinion. And it's like, hmm, I don't really anything to do with them. Jesus sought those people out. He went and he had lunch with the, the sinners and the tax collectors. It wasn't the cool, acceptable thing with all the religious leaders of his day, I can tell you that. He got some pretty good grief over it. But that's what he said. He said, I came to seek and save those that are lost. I came to find the ones that are walking in darkness and shine the light on them. That's what we need to do. We need to be in the light, walk in the light, shine the light, be the light. The last two verses I'm going to read to you, and uh, worship team, y'all can come back. So in, in the latter part of chapter 5 of Ephesians, Paul's talking to husbands and wives. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, is also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Here's the reason I read all that. Because he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Yes. This is a great mystery, but it's not, it's not just husband and wife, but it's that relationship. We are one with him. When we come to know the Lord, we become one with him, and it's a relationship that is like no other, and we become one. And he is coming for us like his bride, and we're supposed to be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We're supposed to be adorned in, in white linens, looking and loving his appearing. Not in the darkness, but in the light. One final scripture I want to read to you, and this is, we're going to end with mysteries on this. Revelations 10, the angel whom I saw standing on the seat on the land, raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. The mystery of God is going to be finished. It's going to come to an end. There's going to come a time when we, when we are in the kingdom 
And the kingdom is to the point in the time that God has designated when the mysteries are all going to come to an end. There's not going to be any more mysteries. There's not going to be any more secrets. It's all going to be made manifest. We're going to know just as we are known because we're going to see him as he is and we are going to be changed and we're going to be like him and it's all going to be glorious and great forever and ever and ever. Amen. Right now, we do have some mysteries. We do have some hidden things. There are things that we're struggling with. We have challenges. We have problems. But there's coming a day, brothers and sisters, when it's not going to be like that anymore. There's coming a day when we're going to be in that city where the Lamb is the light. We're not going to need any sun. We're not going to need any candles or lights. We're not going to need a flashlight. There's not going to be any more darkness because the darkness is going to be expelled because Jesus is going to be the light. Amen. Even if I say so myself, that's pretty good. <laughs> you told what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to share in um, in the Lord's table. And I just want as we sing this first song, I'm going to invite you to come, grab one of these, take it back with you, and then we'll all partake together, and uh, we'll be done here in just a few minutes. And if you're, if you're not a member, it's okay. We have open communion. We ask that you be a believer. If you're not a believer, you, know, you might want to think about that because the scripture I'm going to read to you in a minute says, let a man examine himself. And that's why I told you early in the service to be thinking about things that the Lord might be revealing to you because before we partake, we want to ask the Lord to cleanse us and make us whole so that there is not anything out of out of alignment with him. So let's stand and worship. There's no space that is loved in There's no place that we can't find
1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this represents his body. It was broken. He, uh, he gave himself fully. He didn't just a little bit. He didn't just partially. He gave himself fully. And he did that so that we can have the fullness of all that he has provided. He gave it all so we can have it all. Lord, I ask that, that you cleanse me, Lord. I, I admit that I, I am not perfect. I'm, I make mistakes. I have problems. I have struggles. I get in that posture every now and then, and I, I repent of that, Lord. I want to I be quick to yield to you, quick to respond to you. Lord, I need you to cleanse me. And I'll make myself available, Lord, for you to have your way in me. I, I know you gave everything for me. And so, Lord, I receive your body, which was broken for me, so that I can have all that you provided for me. And I partake of your body now. In Jesus' name, let's partake. In the same way, took the cup after supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes we don't proclaim his death because we're morbid we proclaim his death because it is our victory the shed blood is what gives us our life because the life of the flesh is in the blood. He gave his blood so that we can have his life. Lord, your blood cleanses us. Your blood gives us life. Your blood is all we need, Lord, to, to make us whole. So we receive your blood, Lord. Heal our bodies. Heal our hearts. Heal our minds. Change us. Make us in your image, Lord. As we partake of your blood, do that work in us that changes us so that we are like you. In Jesus' name, let's partake. that caught my heart. 
face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. See you Wednesday night. If you have special prayer needs, come someone will pray with you. Otherwise, you can visit. We've got uh, coffee and snacks, I guess. 
go and have a great time. Get out of here.